Hallelujah. We've been looking at the anointing. And in the past three Sundays, I've shared with you on the anointing. We have looked at the definition of the anointing. I've said that the anointing is not the oil. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we need to know the difference between the two. The anointing is not a wind. The wind is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It just tells you the job description of the Holy Spirit. The anointing is not the cloud. The cloud is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10 verse 38, which has been our key scripture since we started this teaching. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And so we say that when we talk about the anointing, we talk about the anointing in two dimensions. The anointing is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit himself also is the anointing. Amen. And then the anointing is the power of God that is released, bestowed upon a person, a group of people to enable them do what only God can do. Amen. Hallelujah. That means that this is beyond natural talents. We are anointed for various things. And there are different kinds of anointing. I think last week we looked at the anointing of wisdom. And God said he has given Bezalel and Aholiab. He has anointed them with wisdom. And has also anointed them with skills to be able to teach and also to design things. These are all aspects of the anointing. Amen. And the Bible says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He anointed him with the Holy Ghost and anointed him with power. Every believer needs to be anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And that caused him to go about doing good. Amen. Amen. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. When God is with you, following on from yesterday's message, you will cast out demons in Jesus' name. And you will heal the sick. You will go about doing good, for God was with him. Amen. This morning, I want to share with you certain aspects of the anointing. I can't share all, but I want us to also have some time to pray in Jesus' name. As today is the last Sunday of the year, we believe that there will be some impartation of anointing in the name of Jesus. We also saw in the past two weeks that the anointing is upon a servant of God when we're looking at the sources of the anointing, that at least there are two main sources of the anointing. The number one main source is God himself. And number two, when God places a unique anointing upon his servant, anyone genuinely called by God, there are different dimensions of the anointing upon that person. And therefore, the anointing comes, is located upon the person, with the person, or in the person. Amen. And so we also saw that anointing was inside Elisha to the extent that when he was even buried, there was still an anointing in his bones that could bring back someone from the dead. That tells you the power of the anointing. The anointing was with Jesus that somebody touched the hem of his garment and was instantly healed. So there are levels of the anointing and every believer must desire the anointing in Jesus' name. One aspect of the anointing I want to talk about today is the anointing to cast out demons. Amen. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6, and the verse number 7, 12 to 13, Mark 6, verse 7, and then verses 12 to 13. The Bible says, And Jesus 
called unto him the twelve. And he began to send them out two by two. And he gave them power. I've told you the power there is the word anointing. Amen. The anointing is the power of God. The power of God. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. It means that you can't deal with unclean spirits unless you have been given power to deal with them. The, when the Bible says unclean spirits, it's referring to evil spirits. Amen. It's referring to demons. We know that there's only one devil. And that is Satan, who was also known as Lucifer. And then all the demons, all the other angels that fell with him, these are fallen angels, they are called demons or evil spirits or unclean spirits. There are different levels of unclean spirits too. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians that there are four levels of satanic hierarchy, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual hosts. Of wickedness. That means these are kinds of evil spirits that host wickedness. See, when you host wickedness, it means that wickedness originates with you. They host wickedness. They can release wickedness. And every evil you can imagine, they are hosts of wickedness in spiritual places. So these are four levels of satanic organization and hierarchy. And these are all kinds of demons. Amen. And the Bible says, Jesus called unto him the twelve and began to send them out. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. And so they went out, verse 12, and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons. Hallelujah. They cast out many demons. Have you seen that the anointing is working? Jesus gave them power. Now how did he pass the power unto them? He may have laid hands on them, or just spoken directly to them and imparted the anointing specifically to cast out demons. Now, why demons? Because demons oppose the work of God. Demons are satanic ministers who work to frustrate the plans of God for the people of God. Satanic powers operate through demons. And demons therefore must be cast out by the believer. It's very interesting to observe that in Mark chapter 16, when Jesus gave Christians what we now call the Great Commission, when he said, go out, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 15, all the way to 20. He says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believes not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. Casting demons out stands at the head of the list of signs that will follow believers. Why is that important again? Going back to Mark 6, he gave them power to cast out demons because demons can cause all kinds of problems in this world. Every good intention of God for the people of God, if Satan wants to oppose it, Satan will work through demons assigned against families. When cases are pronounced or issued from satanic courts, they are carried out by demons. 
Demons cause diseases. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God for medical signs. But I've always maintained that the stethoscopes and microscopes of doctors don't see demons. So at a point, doctors will conclude that we don't know what is going on here, but something is going on. We have run all the tests, done all the scans, done all the MRIs, and still the person is complaining of the pain. At the same point, there's a limit to what medical science can do, but there's no limit to what God can do and what the anointing of the Holy Ghost can do. Hallelujah. So there are things that happen to our bodies that doctors don't have all the answers. But the Spirit of God has all the answers in Jesus' name. And I said, thank God for doctors. Doctors go to school for seven years to only study the human body. And still they don't finish. We are very complex people. Are you here? And after they have finished, we even move on to specialize in one aspect of the same human body that we have studied seven years for. And still, it's not all. Because you are only dealing with the body. We haven't touched the soul and the spirit. Are you here? And so when the anointing of God is released by God, it is to deal with certain things that human strength can't handle. There are certain pains in the body that can be described as a pain or a cause of unknown origin. <laughs> but we know that there's no effect without a cause. There is no smoke without fire. But when medical science and human strength and technology is limited, the power of God is not limited. The Bible says in many places in scripture, Jesus was faced with issues that needed healing and deliverance. The Bible says a boy was brought to him who was born deaf and dumb and Jesus cast out the spirit of deafness and dumbness and the boy spoke now it means that every form of medical intervention would have been done and yet this person still remained mute speech and language therapists would have been consulted but the Bible tells us when he was brought to Jesus he saw what others don't see he saw a demon is in charge of making sure that this boy was born and this boy, that the parents would have celebrated his birth. This boy was unable to talk and unable to hear. It's a difficult thing to have such a child. But when Jesus came in, he made a diagnosis that is only by the anointing. This morning I pray that you experience the anointing of the Holy Ghost to deliver from every affliction that is caused by demons in the name of Jesus. So the Bible said, he gave them power, the anointing over evil spirits. May you be anointed over evil spirits in Jesus' name. The Bible says there was a boy brought to Jesus in Luke chapter 9. And the Bible said, he has been suffering from all kinds of seizures. And the Bible clearly said that he was lunatic. And the Bible said, he sometimes jumps into fire and into water to destroy him. And nobody can do anything about it. And the Bible says this boy was brought to Jesus' disciples and they could not cast the demon out. And when Jesus came, he cast the demon out. And the boy was restored. That's why it's important that we receive and operate 
in the anointing that consistently casts demons out. In the name of Jesus. There are many believers that don't have authority over demons. Whereas they are supposed to have that authority. It's one thing for Jesus to give. It's another thing for you to exercise it. And this morning I pray that you move into the realms of exercising your place as a child of God. A lot of people have believed a false theology that if you don't touch them, they don't touch you. Well, I want you to understand, if you don't touch the devil, he will still touch you. And if you don't engage in prayer to deal with him, he's having a field day. He will still come for you. He will still come for you. And so we must consistently deploy the anointing to cast out demons. Demons cause oppression in families. All kinds of troubles in families are caused by demons as well. Curses operate in families and they are supervised by demons. And so that was why it's so important that Jesus could gather his disciples. And the first thing he does is to say that he gave them power over unclean spirits. Because unclean spirits or demons cause troubles. They cause pain. They cause challenges. They cause confusion. They are behind many conditions and many cases and many things that happen in people's lives. And demons are not restricted by geography. So they can be in a village somewhere in Africa and still controlling someone's life in America. And no matter how intellectual we become, we must be very careful not to discount the activities of demons. Sometimes Satan knows how to create confusion over such an important thing to say, you see, believers are becoming too fixated on demons. If we forget they exist, they will have unchallenged access to destroy a lot of things. And many people, they realize it very late to see that the devil has come into their homes to destroy and to kill and to damage. The Bible says, and they went out and they preached that people should repent. Verse 13, and they cast out many demons, received the anointing to cast out demons. Amen. Jesus said, this sign shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. That means that casting of demons is supposed to be a function of believers in the name of Jesus. Some of the communities you live in, you don't know what kind of powers of darkness control the place. That's why you need to actively operate in this anointing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Some of us were born into families that the kind of things that are existing in the families, you need anointing to deal with the demon that is in charge of ancestral curses and yokes. There are patterns in bloodline that the people involved didn't attend the meeting to say, we all don't want to get married. But you look at the pattern in a family and see uncles and aunties are having children, but they are not married. And you see the cousins and brothers and sisters are also coming up and they are following the same pattern. And you just say, oh, this one is our destiny. It is not your destiny. It is because you are failing to diagnose the condition on the ground. There are demons in operation. There are powers of darkness from shrines and altars. And we can't be intellectually so smart to ignore such things. God is sovereign. Jesus Christ is the most intelligent person that walk on the face of the earth. There is no one with any form of degree more than him. And yet he casts demons out. 
We can't be so intellectual and ignore that part. Satan has a way of bringing intellectualism to subject the ways of, and dealings of God to human reasoning and logic. And when you move so much into that, you will miss the power of God that will bring about your deliverance. There are things that happen that can be explained humanly, but by the anointing, those yokes can be destroyed in the name of Jesus. And through our scriptures, we see the power of God at work dealing with demons and casting them out in Jesus' name. And this morning, I pray that you will not take anything for granted. In the name of Jesus, it's time to take charge and start praying into the destiny of your children, into your marriages, into your homes. Cast demons out. If they are not there, you have nothing to lose. You have edified yourself. In Jesus' name, every time we want to calculate, okay, is he here before I do? If you do, nothing will, will be lost. But if you fail to do, and the enemy is there, because what you need to understand is that the power of the enemy lies in its ability to conceal its identity. It lies in its ability to conceal its identity. That's why Satan can even coach you that he doesn't exist. And you will believe it. Because he needs to hide his identity to keep on destroying. Haven't we heard many times of issues and cases where you find out that the person behind your problem is the person who smiles with you all the time? Say, and you run to the person, sister, my husband slapped me. He said, oh, is that so? We will bear you up in prayer. <laughs> when you leave, you just call your husband. Give it to her again. <laughs> Slap her one more time. It's, she's the one behind the whole situation. She's the one lying about you why your husband has changed. He's the one lying about you why your wife has changed. He's the one lying about you why the person who wanted to marry you suddenly changed their mind. But they are the same people you run to for prayer. And your prayer partner, and my buddy, 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 and my schoolmate, and my friend, and the friend is the one behind the thing. That's exactly how Satan works. And I pray in the name of Jesus that the Lord will anoint you to deal with demons in Jesus' name. He gave them power over unclean spirits in Jesus' name. Receive power over unclean spirits in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive power over unclean spirits. This morning, receive the anointing that will shatter the power of darkness that controls the bloodline in the name of Jesus. I've seen people who are good, and yet they repeat the same mistakes of their fathers. There are families that the spirit that oppresses is the spirit of sexual immorality. And it is in granddad, it has come to dad, and it is coming to this brother too. And despite all his academic and sometimes even his religious position. Soon, they find themselves moving into the same realm. It's a spirit. And it takes the anointing to cast it out. So we don't have to limit ourselves to only when we come to church. But you need to operate actively in this anointing to kick the enemy out of your home, out of your life. There are some of you, when you have good plans, anytime you share it, it never comes to pass. You think it's just coincidence. No. There are demons supervising every statement from your tongue. And they execute it. They work hard to make sure it never comes to pass. In the name of Jesus, receive power Amen. over unclean spirits. Amen. In Jesus' name. Why was that so important to God? Because these are the main enemies to the fulfillment of the agenda of God. Satan works through institutions. By demonic control. 
Whatever God does, Satan mimics it. In Jesus' name. Satan mimics it. Jesus talked about the children whose angels behold the face of the Father. To every family also, Satan has assigned familiar spirits, community spirits. They are all over. He has regional ministers, assemblymen and local officers, counselors, all around the place. They network. You can't walk through this earth ignorantly, spiritually. You can't. Because everything on earth, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.3, the things we see on earth are not made of things that do appear to the human eye. That means that everything we see on earth has its origins in the spirit realm. And that's why Jesus called them and gave them power over unclean spirits. Because I want you to understand, demons are powerful, but they are not all powerful. Amen. Hallelujah. They may be mighty, but they are not almighty. Our God is almighty, but you need the anointing to deal with them. If you don't have that anointing, they will finish you off. In Jesus' name. And that's why you need to rise. The Bible says they cast out many demons. Verse 13 of Mark chapter 6. Every time we also look into the scriptures. Anytime healing takes place, you will find out demons were cast out first. And that's why you see verse 13 of Mark chapter 6. It says, and they cast out many demons and anointed many with oil that were sick and healed them. Once the demons were cast out, healing took place. Glory be to Jesus. May the Lord anoint you this morning with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. To deal with complicated issues. I shared some time ago in church about a family that were going through a crisis. Three siblings of the same parents, well-educated parents, well-organized family, very well-connected politically, and yet these three children occupying very high positions in major international institutions across the world each of these three children were going through strange things. Maritally, none of them was married. Financially, on paper, they should be all right. Six-figure salaries. And yet, the month ends, and some of them still have to call mom and ask for money. You ask what is going on with them. Everything doesn't seem to work. Like Jericho, the situation is pleasant to the eye, as my Lord sees. But the situation on the ground is barren and empty. Sometimes you come from a family with a reputable name. But when you enter into it, things fall apart. The center is not holding. Satan is all over the place. From a distance, they look united. You enter and it's disunited. You enter and nothing seems to work. They have a name but have nothing to show for it. And this family was like that. Until, by the grace of God, God connects one of them. And we began a prayer. And that led us to the family house. A wonderful place in a very prestigious location in Accra in Ghana. Very, very wonderful environment. Powerful people live in that place. Dad has passed away, but mom was still alive. We got into that house. We began to pray. Day one, mom was participating. Day two, she was participating. 
Day three, she didn't want to come for the next prayer meeting. She avoided anything. There were three wonderful, well-designed flower pots in the living room. It has got all these nice trimmings, but they are dry. You know, you find them when you enter hotel receptions. You find these sort of nice um, sort of twigs. It appears, but it's, uh, there's no leaf on them, but they are dry. And it looks like a design. But I notice that anytime we're praying towards those things, mommy becomes very uncomfortable. Now, by the fourth day, the, the third day she doesn't want to come, the next morning, as prayer went on, she now ran from her room, saying, I will say it. Forgive me. Forgive me. Long story short, she said, these three flower pots represent my children. If I'm in a good mood, I water them. <laughs> if I'm not in a good mood, they stay dry. So nothing works for them. Maritally, no, nothing. Not, academically, they are fine. They have a name, but have nothing to show for it. So these are well-educated people. They are going through things that no institution on earth can diagnose. It takes the anointing to deal with this power. May God help somebody today. When we take these things, we are not scaremongering. We are not, we are not lying. This is the word of God. And if we are not wiser than Jesus, who came on earth and dealt with things like that, and left us again and said, in my name, you shall cast out demons. Even though Jesus had won the victory on the cross, we need to do the mop-up operation by constantly casting demons out and clearing the path. If they were all killed on the cross, we will not have them around. But I've seen people who are born again and still you see strange things going on in their lives. Because the work on the cross dealt with the original sin in the garden. And our duty is to deploy the name of Jesus to deal with the consequences of that sin. The falling state of man. The oppressions of curses and all those things. Jesus took it to the cross, but we are to enforce it. So we can't be ignorant spiritually on these matters and say, once you are born again, these things don't apply to you anymore. But if that is the case, why is this happening? Why is certain people, they are born again in their family, but you see a pattern going on? Because Satan has made sure that we are ignorant. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. May we wake up today in the name of Jesus Christ. That the devil will not deceive us, but will carry the anointing of God to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. Be anointed to operate at a certain level. Because there are different levels of the anointing, you need to operate at a certain level of anointing to deal with some kind of demons. One day Jesus told the disciples, that this kind, this kind of demon, it doesn't live except by prayer and fasting. That means there are levels of them. And you need a certain level of anointing to deal with them. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. The disciples that were struggling with the case in Luke um, chapter 9, in Mark chapter 9, that they were struggling with that boy, that they couldn't cast the demon out. In Mark chapter 6, they had cast demons before. So it tells you that the anointing that was on them to cast some demons was workable. But this one was different. And it took only Jesus to do it. And later he told them this kind. That means there are different kinds of demons. 
There are some problems somebody with a certain level of anointing can't deal with it. And it takes another person with a higher level of anointing to come and deal with it. And that's why we must continue to grow in God, to work at higher levels of the anointing. Ladies and gentlemen, there are levels of the anointing in Jesus' name. There are deeper levels. There, are, there, there is the power of God and there's the power of God. <laughs> I'm telling you, glory be to Jesus. If you look at Moses and Jacob, you will see dimensions of power. <laughs> For Jacob, he met God. He held on to God all night and his name was changed. From Jacob to Israel. That is power. <laughs> it wasn't by deep pole and affidavit. It was by prayer throughout the night. This is a man who has met God. And when he was about to die, in Genesis 50, he brought all his children and pronounced blessings and curses on them. Under normal circumstances, we are supposed to pronounce only blessings. But some of them, daddy was still harboring and bearing a grudge. And for Reuben, as he came, expecting a double portion of blessing, as traditionally and customarily must go to the firstborn, daddy released an uncommon curse. He said, Reuben, unstable like water you shall be. You will never rise. And for 400 years, this curse was standing. And when Moses came, Moses also had met God. He met God also at a higher level. He saw God face to face. He too received the Ten Commandments from God. He saw God. He saw God. The Bible says he spoke to God like a man speaks to his friend. God himself testified and said there can be many prophets. But my servant Moses is of a higher class. For him, I speak face to face. Why were you not afraid to speak against my servant? Numbers chapter 12. And the Bible tells us that when Moses was about to die, he also looked at the tribes in Deuteronomy 33. He arranged all the tribes and he looked at the tribe of Reuben. This tribe has been cursed by the founder of the family, by Jacob, the man of God, the man who encountered God, the man whose birth was prophesied before he was born. He was carrying some level of anointing, but Moses was also carrying another level. He looked at that crowd, that tribe and he said let Reuben live let him not die let his days not be few and he reversed the curse it takes some levels of anointing to do some things the bible tells us that in Joshua chapter 6 Joshua the man of God cursed Jericho when the walls of Jericho fell some people think curses only come from the devil a man of God can also issue a curse but it's not common. One day the disciples wanted to do it. Jesus told them, you don't know what kind of spirit you are of. It's not something that you must be doing often. Amen. It's not supposed to be directed at people of God. It's supposed to be directed at the enemy. But the Bible says that Joshua, the man of God, cursed Jericho. And he said, curse be the one that rebuilds these ruins of Jericho. If anybody attempts to do so, his firstborn will die when the foundation is laid. And if he carries on in stubbornness, by the time he finishes, his lastborn will also die. And so for many, many generations and many years, about 500 to 600 years, as church history records, Jericho remained a no man's land. Nobody built there. It's like when some of us were growing up in Africa. There are certain houses, nobody lives there. We were only told it's a haunted house. So we don't go there. We pass by it. 
Big house, nobody lives there. Because sometimes a lot of demons are living there because the money that was used to build a house is not a good money. And at the right time, Satan will come for his thing. May you make genuine and honest money, supervised by the Holy Ghost and not by the devil. The devil did not create anything. Anything he gives to you is a substitution reaction. <laughs> he will take diabetes off and put in cancer. Then you keep on coming to him. The Bible says this was the case until the days of Ahab. In 1 Kings chapter 16, I think it's verse 34. The Bible says in the days of King Ahab, there was a man called Heel, H-I-E-L. I mean, King, King Ahab was a very stubborn, wicked king. The Bible says, no one surpasses Ahab in wickedness. Especially when you are married to a Jezebel too. This is wickedness, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. And when you have the wicked ruling, unrighteousness flourish. And it was under the days of King Ahab that a man called Heel rose up. And he decided, come what may, I'm going to build Jericho. And when he laid the foundation, his firstborn died. And when they carried on building that beautiful city that he invested in, his lastborn, Segub, also died. And I'm sure people will be saying, oh, well, maybe it's coincidence. When his firstborn died, they'll say, oh, so it was coincidence. Then his lastborn died, so maybe it's just coincidence. But the Bible tells us, that because there was a curse on the land, and this curse would not have been supervised by demons, it would have been supervised by the angels of God. That's how these things work. Spirits supervise curses. And the Bible says that this was the state of Jericho. Jericho had now been built. Let's imagine skyscrapers, wonderful place, but nothing is working in that place at all. And this went on until the days of Elijah. And when Elijah came, he went to Jericho, he ministered there, he went to Samaria, he went to all those places. And then he also left and went to heaven. And then came the days of Elisha. And on the day that Elijah went to heaven, the Bible says, as Elisha returned, carrying the anointing of Elijah, a double portion of it, and he crossed the Jordan. The Bible says, and when he came to Jericho, in 2 Kings chapter 2, when he came to Jericho, the eldest of the city, 2 Kings 2 and 3, the eldest of the city came to him and said to him, the situation in this city looks pleasant to the eyes, as my Lord also sees. The situation of our city is so beautiful, it's pleasant to the eyes, but the ground is barren. All the animals are barren, and the water is also bad. Nothing works in this economy. If we want to bring it into today's terms, we will say that they have a beautiful country, but everything was imported. Nothing can be produced from the place. Nothing works. Nothing works, but it's a beautiful city. Beautiful situation. And there are people hearing me this morning who come from families with beautiful names, Beautiful edifices, beautiful family houses, but the situation is not healthy. Something is wrong somewhere, and the thing goes on from one generation to the other. And the Bible said 
that Elisha, upon receiving this news, being a prophet, requested that they bring him a new container. New container. In today, new believers, those who are born again, new containers. And he said, bring me salt. The scripture tells us that salt represents the word of God. That your speech be seasoned with salt. The word of God. And he says, and he put it inside that container. And he went. He was told the ground was barren. He went to the waters, the source of it. And he poured it out. And he now spoke. You see, when you act prophetically, there must also be a statement. And he said, the waters of Jericho be healed now. Amen. Hallelujah. When the land was healed by that prophetic action, Jericho was restored. But what I'm, why I showed you this is because I was telling you different levels of anointing. Joshua carried an anointing from God. Moses laid hands on him. The anointing on Joshua was not a small one. That is the anointing that can settle the people in the promised land. And he pronounced a curse that stood for almost 500 years. But Elisha also came with a double portion of prophetic anointing and he reversed the curse. It takes some higher level of anointing to break some things. If this thing is even happening in God, that means that you need an anointing to break certain levels of satanic control in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There, there are things when you are dealing with the devil, you can deal with some demons. And some people, you can't deal with Satan himself. You need a certain anointing to confront him. May the Lord empower you in the name of the Lord Jesus. May the Lord help you this morning to anoint you to deal and overcome every demon. Deal with every demon and overcome them in the name of Jesus. May you be strong today. May you be spiritually strong. May you be anointed with the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment you condemn in the name of Jesus. There are agents of the devil that demons use to cause trouble in churches, in families, in communities, in homes. May you be filled with the Holy Ghost to confront their powers in the name of the Lord Jesus. I want to share with you the second thing and then we will pray. I wanted to continue on the demons, but let's, let's carry on. The, the next thing is the anointing for spiritual gifts. Amen. Spiritual gifts, all those nine gifts, they are different anointings. Different anointings. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 1 to 11 and then verse 31. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Holy Spirit gives, the special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives. The Holy Spirit, when he comes into the believer, he gives us certain abilities. The anointing. Amen. There are different kinds of anointings. And the Holy Spirit gives about nine kinds of anointings, in which we call the spiritual gifts. And the Bible says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will ever say that Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts 
In other words, there are different kinds of spiritual anointings. Amen. But the same Holy Spirit is the source of them all. Then there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. And God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. Amen. Amen. To one person, the Holy Spirit gives the spiritual ability to give wise advice. The King James says the word of wisdom. The supernatural ability to know the mind of God concerning a situation and to bring solutions to things. It's an anointing. Solomon walked in it. Last week I dwelt so much on it. A spirit, that gift of wisdom. And then to another, the Holy Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. In other words, the word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge, as I've always defined it, is that spiritual ability to know facts and events that have occurred in the past and they are occurring now. The past and now. This is not something you know. It's inspired instantly by the Holy Ghost. To know what has gone on in somebody's life. And it's a very powerful gift that I want to dwell on this morning. In the name of Jesus. So let me say the others quickly and then I come and dwell on this as the Lord wants me to, to dwell on. So because that is linked up to the first one. You can't tell certain things unless this gift is in operation. In Jesus' name. And it says, it's the ability, the special ability to know things, facts and events that have occurred in the past. It is that kind of anointing that the prophet will stand and say, your name is so and so and so. And your grandfather was born in this village. And he's saying all these things. He doesn't have total knowledge. I'm not talking about the fake ones. Who have got messengers all over the place. To find out information. And then they come into a service and start saying things about people. No. I'm talking about the one that the Holy Ghost inspired. And that's why when you are sitting under the ministry of a genuine servant of God. You need to know how they operate. You know sometimes people have wondered. That when you travel. And you are preaching in other places. There's a movement of the Holy Ghost. The prophetic is strong. But when you come to church, sometimes only occasionally then you operate like that. And I said, well. And then also, there was also one of the accusations. They said that when, only, only when visitors come to church, that I call them by the Spirit of God and say something about them. And maybe it's true. I, I don't intentionally do so. But the, the point is that if you are not filled with any spirit of criticism, you have to understand that should be the norm. Because everyone in church, if they have stayed under my ministry for a long time, it means I know everybody. And I know all your issues. So it would be hypocritical for me to come and stand in public and call Pastor Hammond and say, hello, Pastor Hammond, yes, your wife is called Amma. I mean, can you imagine this? Don't I know? <laughs> Don't I know? I mean, that's crazy. I must, if I call him out, it might be something new that God is revealing that I have no idea about. And he himself will also testify he hasn't discussed this with me. Then that's how it operates. Otherwise, that's why in any place, the prophet of God is not going to call people in the same church. The people, he knows you already. At least he's dealing with it in prayer. There's no need for him to call you publicly and repeat the same thing he knows already that you have told him. That's hypocrisy. That's not genuine. 
Because the purpose of the gifts is not to show off, but to demonstrate the power of God and bring deliverance to people. That's what Paul said. When people come among you, when pagans come among you, when unbelievers come among you, and you tell them things in their heart, they will fall down and worship God and say, surely God is in this place. But if all the people know me already, what's the point? If I know them all, I'll be dealing with the issues spiritually. If there's anything, I call them privately and we carry on from there. But there's no need to do a fake public display. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Verse 9. It says, the same spirit also gives great faith. It's another level of anointing. Great faith. We are levels of the faith. <laughs> this one is an impartation. It, it takes this great faith to actually operate the rest of, the, of these levels of anointing. To call someone out by revelation, you need this faith. What if you call? The Lord will be saying to you, okay, there's someone here called this. Now, you need this kind of faith to actually mention the thing. What if the person is not here? <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. Now, it says... To someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. Receive the anointing to heal in the name of Jesus. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. And to another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. This is a very important gift as well. All the gifts are important. But at least word of knowledge and discern your spirits is crucial for the believer. In Jesus' name. The gift of discerning of spirits helps you to distinguish between what kind of spirit is in operation at a point in time and is needed in our days. With so many things going on in the name of the Lord, you need to know what kind of spirit is in operation. And it's not only for church work, but even to know what kind of spirit is in operation in your children. Because sometimes you see a particular attitude and you have to know by the spirit of God, where is this one coming from? May we not parent ordinarily. May we supernaturally operate and handle these gifts of God. Jacob and all the men of God of old, they saw and knew things by these gifts concerning their children. And they could determine their destiny even before they left the earth. Still another person... Is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Verse 31, it says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Amen. It doesn't mean the gifts are not helpful, but in your circumstance and peculiar situation, some of them may be necessary. And that's why I'm saying that if we look at it, especially word of knowledge, discerning of spirits is crucial in Jesus' name, in your situation, in our world, and the kind of issue you are dealing with in Jesus' name. So when we look at the supernatural gift of word of knowledge, which I mentioned earlier, you saw Jesus operated strongly in that, very regularly. It's one of the gifts we need. It silences arguments. But it's very important because it is the Holy Spirit's way of releasing intelligence reports to the believer. In Jesus, in every country, there are some secret services 
intelligence organizations. They are able to get information on the movements of the enemy and pass it on to their security agencies. And then they are able to take steps to prevent terrorism and all kinds. The devil is a chief terrorist. Demons are terrorists. Certain cases and issues going on around you that you don't know what is going on. But you are seeing a cycle. A cycle. You come too close to victory and then you lose it. And it's going on. You are having certain patterns of dreams the same way. And it's resulting in certain things. And, and you look at it and you just think, this is not academic exercise. This is spiritual. Amen. And Jesus operated this gift. Look at him. John chapter 4, verse 15 to 19. This was a situation and the discourse at the well with the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria. When the gift of word of knowledge is in operation, it can lead to the salvation of people. In Jesus' name. This is the gift that is needed to silence atheists. We can go on endlessly with endless genealogies and arguments. When such manifestations occur, it brings an end to all kinds of arguments. I have a friend who is PhD thesis in theology. He was supervised by a professor who does not believe in the operation of spiritual gifts in our days. <laughs> you can have professors of theology who are not spiritual at all. They have just handled it as, as one of the sciences and as a subject. And in this institution, about four of the faculty professors were people who believe in what we call cessationist view of the spiritual gifts. They believe that the spiritual gifts ended with the death of the last apostle. So we don't need spiritual gifts in our days. And there are people that hold on to such views. And it's all because when you are not able to operate in something, you just try to kill it. You try to argue against it. Submit yourself to proper fasting and prayer and see God and see whether God won't move. If this gift ceases, then the Holy Ghost should not be on the earth. He can't be on the earth and this other major aspect of his ministry is not being functioning. I mean, that's crazy. It doesn't make sense. So these professors, this is what they believe. His own supervisor also believed that. But his thesis was emphasis on spiritual gifts. Can you imagine? So it was back and forth with his professor that he believes these things are there. And what God did was that on the day he must defend the thesis. When all these professors, seven professors were sitting down, three of them believed the gifts of the Holy Spirit is in operation at this. Four do not believe. And look at what God did. When he was asked the first question, he switched straight into the prophetic and started giving a detailed information of the background of the first professor who doesn't believe. Stuff that the professor can be embarrassed about. But the Holy Ghost was taking no prisoners here. <laughs> then he moved on to the second one. The third one said, don't, don't worry, we, we are not. I said, no. And he began to also say things. And move on to the fourth. They, they, they have to be compelled to believe this thing is working here. In Jesus' name. It settled the issue. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. It settled the issue. They, they have to pass him. Yeah, today is a doctor of theology. Proper doctor of theology. Who believes in the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. 
the gift of word of knowledge. The Bible said in verse 15, when Jesus was talking to this woman at the well, Jesus told her, I have water to give you that when you drink, you won't test again. The woman said, I give me this water. Hey, women. <laughs> he said, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again. And I will have to come here and shop here every time. <laughs> if you have these shoes, give all to me. I don't need to come to Oxford Street again. I want to sit in my room. <laughs> Wear them as much as I want. It's a woman thing. Eve, Eve did that. Don't mind me today. Daughters, don't mind me. <laughs> he said, I don't have to come here. Verse 16. Then Jesus said, go and get your husband. She replied, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. Hey. Jesus, where do you know this from? Holy Ghost. The gift of word of knowledge. Supernatural ability. The anointing to know facts, events, and information about someone, a family, a nation. Things that you don't have total knowledge about, but instantly inspired. On this way, Jesus don't know this woman. In fact, he was, not, he was passing by. They were so tired. He sent all the 12 men to go and buy food. Whilst he was just relaxing by the well, when this woman just chanced upon him. So it's not pre-planned. He doesn't know her. But by the gift of word of knowledge, he was able to know that the woman, the woman doesn't have a husband. And went on further to show the woman that, yes, you have even had five husbands. And even the one you are living with now. He says, what are you trying to tell this woman? It's not even your husband. He said, you have certainly spoken the truth. Then the woman immediately said, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Have you seen how the matter ended? And that led the woman to believe the message of Jesus Christ. And based on that, she went to the city and told all the men there, come and see a man who told me all things about me. If the man knew them because somebody told him, it wouldn't be surprising to the woman. But she knew that I don't know this man at the well. We just chanced upon each other. And instantly he had told me deep things. I only said, I don't have a husband. He goes on to tell me, I've had five husbands. This is word of knowledge. This is supernatural ability. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you receive this anointing. In the name of Jesus. Desire this anointing in Jesus' name. It helps you in every aspect of your life. It's not only for preaching. In Jesus' name. You won't, take it, you won't be taken by surprise by the enemy. Glory be to Jesus. John 4, 15 to 19. That was what I gave to you earlier about the woman. Then we want to see Jesus again. One more example of him. Jesus with Simon the leper. A Pharisee called Simon invited Jesus to a party. And the Bible says that when Jesus came for the dinner, whilst he was sitting and eating, a woman came. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 40. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair, 
Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this thing, he said to himself, please take note of that carefully. He said to himself. You know, we all say things to ourselves. Nobody heard it. It's in our head. Only, only us know what we were saying to ourselves and thinking about this pastor we have invited to our house to come and eat. And another woman we know that she's a very, very, very dangerous woman has come and worshipping him and kissing his feet and giving him all these things. And he's also enjoying it. <laughs> when he said to himself, if this man were truly a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. He said all these things in his head. Look at the word of knowledge response. Then Jesus answered the man's thoughts. Hey, how do you answer somebody's thoughts? Hallelujah. May the Holy Ghost fill you with anointing. The anointing of word of knowledge. Jesus knew instantly what the man was thinking. And he decided to give him an answer. You know, when, when we begin to operate like this, people will stop gossiping. In Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. See, today we have got a lot of wishy-washy, shallow Christians. They are not deep. They believe every lie. You know, sometimes you hear something, you ask yourself, so you, that say you are a believer, and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you believe this. Did you check with God? I mean, there are a, lot of, a lot of things go on, and people say things about me, my wife, other persons, and I ask myself, those of you that believe this thing, do you have the Holy Spirit? Have you gone to the Holy Ghost to cross-check? You are an amazing person. It shows you are nowhere near Christ in church. Because me, if I hear things, I scrutinize with the Spirit. And I wonder what kind of believers do we have today? That you just believe everything. You are, you are a pedestrian believer. You are just walking through. The, the, your nature before you came to church has not changed. Because if you are filled with the Holy Ghost, why don't you check with the Holy Ghost? One day one man of God called me about an issue. I said, brother, before we carry on, have you checked with God? Check with God before you hear my side of the story. I want you to check with God first. Don't tell me yes. Just check with God. I mean, why, 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 do we, why do we not utilize the presence of the Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name. Then we will not believe rumor and slander. Cross-check with the Holy Ghost that is inside you. Otherwise, what kind of Christians do we have? There's no difference between us and unbelievers. The Bible says, Jesus answered his thoughts and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Jesus used the occasion to educate him. And the man will be wondering, how did he know my thoughts? By the gift, the anointing of word of knowledge. Amen. Glory be to Jesus. Look at Ananias, Acts chapter 9, verse 10 to 12. Now there was a, now, you see, I've given Jesus, and somebody said, oh, but it is Jesus, because it's Jesus. Now let's look at Ananias. Ananias was on a, he wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a deacon. He's one of you. He's just like those of us who, who don't have any position in church. Those of us who have any title in church. And I'm talking about, this one is not a pastor, it's not a deacon. This is a believer. Amen. Acts 9, 10 to 12 says, Now there was a believer in Damascus. His name was Ananias. This is Acts chapter 9. The man who died, lied with his wife, they had died in chapter 5. Ananias was a common name, but this one too goes to church. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision. 
saying, Ananias. He said, yes, Lord. Go over to Straight Street. <laughs> Hallelujah. Specific address. Gift of word of knowledge. This is not prophecy. Prophecy is foretelling and foretelling. Another time I will tell you that. People always confuse word of knowledge and say, oh, there a prophecy came. What did the prophecy say? Prophecy talks more of future. It doesn't describe things in the past or things happening now. So prophecy is foretelling and foretelling. But this one, this man is praying. The gift of knowledge this time came, word of knowledge came through a prophetic dream. Some of you, your dreams are not ordinary. God is giving you information. But because we are not sensitive, we don't seem to be able to discern the information. Sometimes taking you in the past, you see it in the dream. You are somewhere back in the family house. The Lord is giving an information. You've forgotten. You pray some prayer for some answers. And God may answer it two weeks later with some dream. But the problem is that we don't follow up even when we pray. We forget what we are prayed about. We forget what we ask the Lord. And then we move on to the next thing. So when God now begins to answer the prayer you prayed one month ago, the Lord, what am I dealing with? Show me what I'm dealing with. He decided to answer it one month later with a dream. And in the dream, you found yourself back into a family house somewhere in Africa, somewhere where you grew up, maybe somewhere in Nigeria, in some Ghana, somewhere in Asamankesi, somewhere there. You find yourself somewhere in the farm. You say, oh, but this is where I used to go with my grandmother. Yes, it's some dream I just forgot. No, the Lord is answering something. Something may have happened to you. What is going on now? It has its origins from that farm. But because we are not careful, we don't take the word of the Lord seriously. Listen, when you hear this message today, when you dream some dreams, write them down. These are spiritual intelligence reports. We don't play with intelligence reports. One thing builds on the other and the whole picture begins to fall. I still have recordings of my dreams written from 1990. I have them. I have them. I have different jotters and different. Today now I put them all in the iPad so at least they can be preserved. Because the other ones I can see they have become very old. But I carry them all with me and go back and refer to things. It gives me information. When I'm facing certain challenges today, I look and say, ah, but this was the kind of dreams I was having. That this thing will come, but in the end, it will go through this and finish well. So it gives me confidence to go on. Where is your reference point? I don't know where the message is going now. But I pray in the name of Jesus. In the case of Ananias, the Bible says, God said to him, go over to the straight street. Maybe number 13, straight street. This guy doesn't know anything about that place. To the house of Judas. The landlord is called Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man who had come from Tarsus. His name is Saul. This is what we call Dito Dito. <laughs> Word of knowledge. Amen. He is even praying right now to me. Can you imagine? So it's not, it's not conjecture. It's detail. And the Holy Ghost, by word of knowledge, is downloading all this to this man, a believer, not a pastor. I came to announce to you when you are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, you are a candidate for this anointing. In the name of Jesus, there are bigger things in God. There are deeper things in God. And it's not only to locate the source, but to locate your sons and daughters. To locate certain things in the spirit. To determine what is going on with the situation, with the business. There are people you work with that you don't know them in the spirit. You don't know them. 
You employ people and commit huge investments into their hands and you don't know who they work for. And we are just moving through the earth so blind. I came to wake you up spiritually this morning in the name of Jesus. He said these things. And then look, <laughs> look at the details. He said he's praying to me right now. Verse 12. I have even shown him a vision of a man named Ananias also coming to him. <laughs> so when you arrive, I want you to know I've already shown him this vision. If you like, when you go ask him, did you see a vision of a man called Ananias? He'll say yes. This is detailed. Hallelujah. Confirmation. So he can see again. So Ananias went and found Saul. He lays hand on him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Gift of word of knowledge. Finally, let me take you to Elijah. 2 Kings chapter 6. Word of knowledge. Receive this anointing. It settles crisis. When we are operating this, people cannot just be lying free like that. That's what caught Ananas and Sapphira. It was a gift of word of knowledge. They came to church because everybody's giving to us building fund. Their motive for giving is not to worship God, but to show off that they too they have given big. May our motives for doing things in the house of God be genuine. Hallelujah. Because Barnabas went to sell his father's land and brought the money to church. His land that was given to him, he sold it and brought the money to church for the church work to go on. And other people started selling their things. Ananas and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 also decided to sell their land. Fine, that's good. But if you sold it for 100,000 pounds and you decided to bring 50,000 to church, nobody was going to kill you. If you decide to bring 10,000 to church, nobody is going to kill you. But you can't come to church and tell the pastor that you sold the land for 50,000. And you have brought all the 50,000. Oh, let's all clap for brother Ananias and his wife. That's what they did. They kept part of the money, but they came and said that this is how much we, we sold it for 100,000 and we have brought all the 100,000. Not knowing they sold it for 200,000. And they planned this in their bedroom. And they came to church, testimony time. And they came and they are singing. Have you heard what the Lord has done? Peter said, stop that. <laughs> when you sold the land for 200,000, was it not yours? Say so, yes. So why has Satan filled your heart to plan with your wife to come to church to tell us that this money you have brought, 100,000, it's exactly how much you sold so that we can applaud you and say, you have given your all. You didn't give your all. This is a lie. And the Bible says, Peter then said, you have lied to the Holy Ghost. Instantly, Ananias fell down and died. Then his wife came for third service. She too, she's coming to say the same thing. Peter caught her up. She too, she died in church. May this gift operate in our lives in Jesus' name. We saw Ananias, we saw Peter, we've seen Jesus, and look at Elisha. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8 to 12, And when the king of, Israel, of, of Syria was at war with Israel, he could confer with his officers and say, We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. 
But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, who was living in Israel, in Samaria, will pick up the intelligence by word of knowledge. Amen. He is not in Syria. He lives in Israel. A king of, Israel, of Syria plans with his war cabinet in his executive mansion in Syria and a prophet of God living in Samaria in Israel will pick the intelligence and then secretly pass it on to the king of Israel and say, the king of Syria has planned that uh, they're going to attack from this side, so take steps. And every time these people move, their move is blocked. And so the king of Syria became frustrated and had a council meeting with his cabinet and his generals and said, which of you has been betraying me? And one of them, I don't know how he got the information, but the Bible says, verse 11, the king of Syria became very upset over this. So he called his officers together and demanded, which of you is a traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? Verse 12, one of his officers said, it is not us. It is Elisha, the prophet in Israel. He tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Hallelujah. Amen. This gift is still in operation. I pray that you receive an impartation. Because when we operate these gifts, it helps us see things with the eye of God. In our businesses, in our ministries, in our families, in our homes. In Jesus' name. You, I pray, I pray that the Holy Spirit fill you this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. What's surprising about this king who got this information is that I found him to be one of the foolish kings in the Bible. You, if you read the next verse, he said they should go and arrest Elijah. You, they just told you that the things you plan in your bedroom, the man gets to do. And you say that they should go arrest him. Don't you realize that he will know that you have sent to be, to be arrested? <laughs> May God help us in the name of Jesus. May we have believers who are walking in this level of anointing. It settles issues in the home. It brings arguments to an end in the name of the Lord Jesus.